This is Top Floor episode 128. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 128. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Edwin Scarlican spent 35 years working in supply chain and Six Sigma for 3M before happily retiring early in 2023. When he was a younger man, Edwin was drawn to environmental causes and he found himself pulled back to them after a hotel stay in the Netherlands. Edwin learned about Hotels for Trees, a nonprofit organization founded in May 2021 by Floris Licht, Chief Planting Officer and General Manager of the Doubletree by Hilton Amsterdam Central Station. Edwin took on responsibility for the North American arm of the organization and is working to partner with hotels to plant trees in lieu of daily housekeeping. Today, Edwin and I are going to talk about sustainability, greenwashing, and possibly handball. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Zach. Zach asks, I am so ethically torn when I stay at a hotel. On the one hand, I really don't need my room cleaned every day, and I know skipping it is better for the environment. On the other hand, I don't want to shortchange housekeepers. How should I handle this? I swear, I think this is maybe the hardest question that we've ever had on the call button. So sorry, Edwin. Here you go. What do you think? No problem at all. First of all, thank you for having me, Susan. And uh, Zach, thanks for the question. Uh, I'd like to answer the question in two different ways. Uh, first of all, it is, of course, a very personal choice every guest is able to make. Um, your question is very timely because the American Hotel and Lodging Association just report a uh, new survey that basically shows that 67% of the hotels report staffing shortages. Uh, and 48% of them report that uh, housekeeping is the most critical staffing need. So no wonder many hotels are now offering loyalty points for a room not cleaned or for a free cocktail and that we are now close to 200 hotels that, that joined us as well. Secondly, and, and now I may, I know I may be dating myself, but it, I grew up in a time when I would find myself as a young boy in a car with my parents, uh, both non-smoking, both smoking uh, nonstop. Uh, while <laughs> with the windows was, rolled up, of course. With the windows rolled up while nobody was wearing seatbelts. Um, I think we all agree now that looking back how weird and unhealthy and how dangerous that was. uh, (laughs) And I feel feel we're getting to the same point about hotels changing and washing towels and linens daily, uh, replacing barely used bars of soap and shampoo after one day. So that's that's what I would say to to Zach's question. That's an excellent analogy to think about that we're just maybe in a period of transition and soon this won't feel like a dilemma at all. 
There are parts of your life before your 3M career that are absolutely fascinating. Can you talk about handball and how that impacted your military service in the Netherlands? Absolutely, Susan. First of all, handball is not a sport. Team handball is not a sport that is very well known here in in North America. So I I always tell people it's like water polo, but without the water. (laughs) Um, I I was already playing uh, handball, team handball, at a higher level when I turned 18. And back in the day in the Netherlands, uh, every boy that turned 18 was drafted into military service. So my handball team wrote a very nice letter to the Ministry of Defense, how important I was to the team. Um, put some flowers and bells and whistles to it, and if it could be stationed nearby so I could still join practice on most days. Uh, long story short, the MOD was supportive. They placed me in my hometown as a sol- soldier, but at the Royal Mil- Military Academy, which is sort of similar to West Point here in the US, the Officers Academy. The location is just stunning. It's downtown, it's in an old medieval castle with a lot of history, a lot of culture, a lot of traditions. So I had a great time um, doing my military service at the academy while still still being able to to practice and play with my team most evenings and weekends. That is amazing. And did the other people who were in your, I don't know if you call it class or division or section of the military, did they feel like you got special treatment or were they okay with it? Some indeed felt that I got perhaps treated with a little bit of special care, but uh-huh. uh, at the same time, it was also cool to. Uh, there were some there were some uh, folks in my team who played soccer, uh, and were were stationed nearby as well for that very same reason. So it is something that the MOD was trying to uh, uh, to help with, uh, when, if and when possible. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I know you were interested in, but ultimately didn't study biology because the coursework was in German. I'm guessing that you speak multiple languages, so maybe just German wasn't your favorite. (laughs) How did you end up working at 3M? And then how did that career perhaps influence your thoughts on sustainability? It just is surprising that you have always sort of been drawn to biology, but had some obstacles in the way that you finally seem to be able to clear. Very true, yes. As as a young boy, I wanted to save the whales and the rainforest, but... uh... Especially the German grammar was not my my strong suit. Uh, so after graduating and fin- finishing my military service, I saw an ad in a newspaper, uh, a 3M ad. I, apl- I I wrote what what turned out to be my first and my last application letter, uh, and I started at 3M uh, two weeks later. Um, never looked back until 35 years later to the day. Uh, work assignments had me moving and living uh, and working in the Twin Cities in the U.S., in Brussels, in Belgium, in Stockholm, and Sweden. Uh, and now again in the U.S., I've been here for about uh, about 18 years. I was fortunate enough, as you mentioned already, to retire at an early age and perhaps regain a different perspective on life, uh, on what's really important. And so when I saw this uh, Hotels Patrice door hanger in a hotel some nine months ago now, I uh, immediately looked up the company and asked how I could help. Uh, turns out they've been very successful in the first two years of getting things started in Europe, but not in North America. They just hadn't looked at it yet. So three, four months later, I, I got us uh, approved in Delaware, 501c3, nonprofit approval, and, and the, rest is, the rest is history. So now that you have taken on this challenge of hotels for trees in North America, you are basically having to learn an entirely new industry, maybe two, because the nonprofit side and then the hotel business. As a lifelong hotelier, I'm always interested to know what people think is the most 
surprising thing about how hotels work? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so first of all, the key observation I, I learned from having spent quite a bit of time both in Europe as well as in North America is that sustainability seems to be much more top of mind in Europe than, than elsewhere on the planet, including North America. Uh, so I already learned that that's going to be a bit of a hurdle. It's also going to be a matter of time, I believe, but for now, that's going to be a, going to be a hurdle. Uh, secondly, uh, the, the the key audience I'm I'm trying to target some of the hotel general managers, operation managers. They're they're incredibly busy. Uh, they are having so much on their plate that it's a challenge to get uh, to get on their calendars to get some time. And even if you have it, it's hard to uh, keep them focused and and bring things across the, the finish line. But uh, those those would be the two major major uh, observations and stumbling blocks I've learned so far. And that's so true about keeping the attention of a hotel operator, even if you getting the appointment is only the very first part of the obstacle course that is getting this done. Tell us about the basic concept of Hotels for Trees. How does it work? And what is the cost or the obligation to the hotel? The basic concept is very simple. Uh, we plant a tree each time a hotel guest chooses to not have their room cleaned. We take a small portion of the savings. The hotel keeps the lion's share, and they also obtain a taxable benefit at year end because we are a approved uh, nonprofit. The registration process is simple. Um, the hotel stands up on our website, hotelsfortrees.com, gets door hangers in place either by printing them locally or getting them from us. Uh, and and they're good to go. So we've seen hotels start in as little as, as a week's time. I, I know I'm biased, but I believe that the concept which we offer is a, is a win for all involved. The hotel, I, I could see winning in, in, in no less than four different ways. So first of all, we are a sustainability player, of course. So we help uh, hotels along their sustainability journey, which I, I believe sincerely will become more and more of an important issue for, for all of us in the hospitality industry. I already mentioned there's a financial aspect to it, that this is a uh, a way to save money on, on housekeeping. And I already mentioned in my response to Zach as well, that uh, some hotels have a staffing shortage, specifically in housekeeping. And so with our concept, we, we lessen the load on, on that team. And, and, and last but not least, uh, we've seen hotels use this as well as a team building activity, something for them to rally around. Um, mini celebrations, morale boosters for every 100, 500,000 trees uh, planted together. Um, the, the, the hotel guest wins as well, because in the end, it, it all um, turns about turns around the hotel guest and, and them making a decision that uh, they can feel good about. Uh, we've seen a step change there as well. From the surveys which we've done with the 190 hotels we've got so far, uh, is that uh, we've seen those hotels having a... Um, uh, rate of about 10 to 15 percent of rooms not cleaned prior to joining us. This could be a do not disturb sign. It could be a loyalty point choice or a, or a free cocktail. For hotels that are all in, we've seen that number jump to 35, 40 percent. So it's a, it's a game changer. It's a oh big wow, that's a huge increase. And so are they just like going into a website somewhere and telling you the number of rooms that didn't get cleaned, or how do they track it? A designated person at the hotel receives a daily email from hotelsfortrees.com asking how many uh, rooms were not cleaned. Uh, once that person responds, it automatically feeds our website. It feeds the widget on our website from, from the hotel in, in, in question. Um, and we, uh, we uh, at the end of the month, we send a summary invoice for every room uh, not cleaned times our, times our fee. 
Gotcha. So what are the big goals for North America? Do you have like a number of hotels in the program or number of trees planted or something else that you're aiming toward? It's a very large market. It's it's a very large hospitality market in North America. Um, so so excited about about j- joining Hotels for Trees and seeing what we can do here. Um, we'd like to plant as a team, as a global team. We also have a nonprofit in Australia, New Zealand that that works with us as well. We'd like to plant a million trees in 2025, which is oh, next wow. year already. Uh, so that's a very ambitious number. It would also be nice to have 500 hotels joining us, and we're just scratching to uh, to, to to get to the the 200 hotels right now. But but for me personally, perhaps the the more important, larger goal is that every time a hotel guest or a staff member uh, looks at our door hanger, looks at the poster, looks at our website, and considers the the thought of planting a tree, uh, we bring the concept of a more sustainable way of life to mind, uh, if even for a few seconds. And I'm uh, I, I'm not sure if we touched on this earlier, but but for me, this is not a new job or a new career. Uh, I'm very happily early retired. I want to do something that matters and that feels good without any money changing hands. So for me, perhaps that's that's the that's the most important. Got it. So from your observation as a traveler, where do you think that hotels miss the mark when it comes to sustainability? Maybe in addition to daily washing of towels, anything else that you've noticed that somebody who's deeply entrenched in the hotel business might not even be able to see? I think the biggest misconception hotels have is that they believe they they perfectly know what what their guests want, and in, in many cases they they might when it comes to menus, when it comes to preferences. But but in my mind, people in general, and I think hotel guests in particular, they they prefer their choices. Uh, some luxury hotel managers have told me that our concept, for example, doesn't fit with the high level of service they provide. I believe that that guests in more upscale resorts are very well aware of their larger carbon footprint. And generally speaking, they are they are well-educated as well and, and appreciate the choice of being able to do something small back. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from each episode of Top Floor with a couple of very practical, tangible tips to try in their businesses or their personal lives. How can an average traveler tell the difference between an environmental initiative like Hotels for Trees and something that's really just greenwashing? It, it's a really good question. And I absolutely agree that it's it's a jungle out there with regards to green certification institutions and fossil fuel lobbyists. To, so, so caution is required. While we are a small team, we've made an effort to partner up with some very large, well-respected forestation companies that have been doing this for for a really long time. In North America, in my area, we work with uh, both the Arbor Day Foundation as well as One Tree Planted. Uh, Arbor Day has been around for 50 years and planted 500 million trees in that period. Perhaps even more important and more impressive, they want to plant another 500 million trees in the next five years. Uh, One Tree Planted is now up to uh, 100 million trees, uh, and they uh, did something really cool last year. They worked with Coldplay uh, to make their world tour carbon neutral, and so together they ended up uh, planting eight eight million trees together. I thought that was was very clever. Holy mackerel. Aside from choosing to forego housekeeping, what can people do to reduce the carbon impact of their travels? Like, are there actions I should be taking or organizations I should be learning about in order to become a carbon neutral traveler? 
Hmm. Perhaps I can turn that question around a little bit, give it a bit of a positive spin. The, the, the first thought that comes to mind in my mind is that travel often reconnects us to nature, uh, provides us with a renewed sense of awareness um, and, and all for the beautiful environments that surround us when we are in places new to us. So even more, even more important today with so many of us living in cities and more and more living in a digital and a virtual world, I'd, I'd say embrace and enjoy that to the full, fullest and not try to reduce and, and, and refill that cup really. Interesting. Well, that makes me feel good. I'm going on a trip tomorrow morning, so I'm a little less stressed than I was going into this conversation. We have reached the fortune telling portion of the show. So now is the time to predict the future so we can come back later and see if we were right. What is a prediction you have about the future of the planet? Oh, you saved the heavy stuff for, for last day. Eh? I know. <laughs> Just a small question. No big deal. <laughs> well, let's let's start with some numbers. Um, between 1960 and 2000, we, we doubled the world population. Uh, the expectation is that we'll do that again between 2000 and 2060, meaning that every day we put more people on this planet that need more resources and more energy. And, and we are already taking so much more than we give back. Uh, so in my mind, it is the prime example of something that is that is unsustainable uh, that we have to change. Uh, and so I believe that we need to anticipate some major changes ahead of us that we cannot continue as we have. Yet at the same time, uh, as, the, as the end of population growth is somewhere in our future, um, it also means, for example, the end of capitalism as we know it. Uh, so, so yeah, buckle up. I, I believe we have a, a bit of a bumpy ride ahead of us. <laughs> the people listening in their car just slammed on the brakes and like ran off the road. Wait, what? <laughs> if you could wave a magic wand and rid the world of one wasteful practice, what would it be? Uh, to, to come to mind when you ask that question. So personally, it's a small one, but it's it's it's, it's certainly a trigger for me. I hate receiving spam, spam paper mailings, uh, brochures, commercials in my mailbox. I always make an effort to write to the sender. I did not request these. Please, please stop sending these. Would love to see some legislation around it, country by country, to, to stop that and put some boundaries around it and that people cannot just send you things without your consent. Perhaps more ambitiously, secondly, uh, I think it would be great if we could stop shipping water in plastic bottles all around the world and make it, and make it freely available uh, throughout our societies. Uh, water is, a, is, a, is everywhere around us. We cannot live without water. It's a necessity. So let's not wrap plastic around it and ship it halfway around the globe to make a buck. I mean, water is a great example. The one that just absolutely drives me insane is when you see an individual piece of fruit with skin wrapped in plastic. Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Why? It has a skin that is protecting the fruit. It doesn't need a plastic coat on. What is going on? Agreed. Okay, what is next for you and what's next for Hotels for Trees? Feels like we've just begun. Certainly, I have just begun with this. So I'm eager to see how, how much of a difference we can we can make. At the same time, we already did start uh, meetings for trees as well. So we work with hotels that organize conferences and, and, and meetings. Uh, and for every uh, attendee, uh, we can work with the company and the uh, hotel to plant a tree for them as well. Oh, to that's help cool. Some of the, the carbon footprint associated with the travel and, and attending the meeting. At the same time, I do like the idea of, 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 of giving people the ability to plant a tree uh, voluntarily for, for different kinds of, kinds of things as well. I, I, I've spent time, I'm, spend, I'm spending quite a bit of time in California these days. 
So, for example, when people visit vineyards, uh, could could a tree be given or be bought when buying a case of wine? Uh, when people are visiting a zoo or an aquarium, those those folks typically are already uh, more nature-minded. And for like a, a buck and a half, if you can plant a tree uh, and make that offer available to folks like that, I think it could be a win-win again for, for everybody involved. Excellent. Okay, folks, before we tell Edwin goodbye... We are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Edwin, what is a story you would only tell on the loading dock? All right. I have a bit of a, an unusual, weirder one for you today, Susan. Excellent. Uh, a few years ago, we went on vacation to the Cayman Islands. Uh, and one of the more popular attractions there is to swim with stingrays, like really, really large stingrays, three, four feet in diameter. Uh, and then 50, 60 at, the, at a time. Oh, my um, gosh. So we joined a group of some 20, 25 folks, mostly couples, older couples, um, uh, on, a, on a boat uh, to the more shallow sandbags banks where they, where they feed. Uh, the idea was then, you'd, with a guide, you'd, you'd jump in the water uh, with snorkeling gear, and these stingrays would be basically swimming all over you. So I saw that some couples on the boat were a little reluctant, like, these, these stingrays are massive. They're huge. They're a little scary, too. And, and I love snorkeling, and I know that stingrays don't have teeth. So I thought, like, I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be one of the first. Jump in the water. This guy immediately comes over with a really huge, large stingray and puts it on my back, which felt a little weird. But at the same time, it's, <laughs> you know, he does it for a living. Something like this is going to be all okay. Uh, that stingray then, his that the mouth of the stingray found my arm, my elbow, um, and um, I, like I said, I know they don't have. Uh, a teeth, but they use suction to uh, filter squids <laughs> and other things out of the sand. And he mistakenly thought that Stingray thought that my elbow was a squid and started sucking. Oh no! So the Did next it thing hurt? I, it, it, it it really hurts. Yes. Oh god! And it really started to bleed as well. Um, so here I am in the water, uh, trying to get people in the water with my arm bleeding and a big bruise on my on my elbow. Um, so that 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 the bleeding stopped shortly. The bruise was gone after a couple of weeks, but it, but it certainly uh, helped decide the, the more reluctant folks uh, to to stay on the boat. Basically, I was going to say a little bit of a backfire of a mission. It sounds Absolutely, like yeah. oh, my elbows both hurt now from hearing that story. Well, Edwin, thank <laughs> you so much for being here. I hope that every single hotelier that's listening to this episode rushes to Hotels for Trees to sign up for the program. And I really appreciate you riding with us to the top floor. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Susan. Thank you for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 128. Jonathan Albano is our editor, producer, and all-around genius. He even wrote and performed our theme song with vocals by Cameron Albano. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And your rating or review will go a long way in helping us give you more of what you like. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 